Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 257 with Pam Lowley. How are you, Pam? I'm fine, Dale. How are you doing? I'm always good now, particularly we've had a great chat before and we had to, I actually had to stop the conversation because I'm like, we are wasting too many nuggets of gold that people are going to absolutely embrace. Now, Pam, I got you on here today because I know we are very similar in our passions around play. Um, you've got a brilliant book called Why Can't We Just Play? And we will talk about that. But um, aside from that, you know, you're an author, you're a mother, you're a lover of play. Do you want to paint the picture for the listeners? Who is Pam? Sure. Okay, so I actually started my career uh, as an actress. So there's <laughs> play is the word there, uh, and I and then I got into comedy, and then I got into writing, and that really was um, I think where I really found my passion. I had a humor column in a newspaper, and I had written uh, comedic sketches and things like that. I, I married another writer comedian. We had two kids, and then. Uh, so when so we had kids, we moved out here to New Jersey uh, in the United States. And, um, you know, life was great until I feel like my kids were seven or eight and 10. And all the fun and magic that you have that you want to have when you're a parent, everything that you all the fun stuff that you're looking forward to was kind of disappearing because we were so busy all the time. And I found myself just. Uh, constantly racing around, feeling like, okay, I checked that box. I did that. Doing those things that you think you're supposed to do because it's the right thing for your kids. But also feeling like something's got to be wrong. It's supposed to be a little more fun than this. It's supposed to be more joyful. My kids aren't supposed to be so stressed out and whiny all the time. And so I kind of had an epiphany um, where I was, it was the spring and I was trying to decide what I was going to do with the kids for the summer. You know, you sign them up for this camp and that thing. And uh, I suddenly realized, what if we just did nothing? What if I just let them play? And, you know, that's a super radical idea these days because we feel like our kids are supposed to constantly be groomed and improved so they can get into the best college and be the most successful, et cetera, et cetera. But um, one night I was tucking my kids into bed and that, the time they, I have two boys and they shared a room and I was tucking in them in and my 10 year old started crying and saying, I never have time to just play. We never have time to just play. And I was horrified. First of all, I felt like the worst mom ever. <laughs> but secondly, I thought, <laughs> I was like, okay, that was bad. But secondly, I thought, what do you mean you don't have time to play? I just took you to baseball. You do soccer two times a week. You're, you're, in the, you're in the safety patrol at school and you do all these fun things. But to him, that wasn't play. That was stuff you do. And play was when your friend comes over and you goof around in the backyard without any adults telling you what to do. Play is when you're in your room making a mess and you lose track of time and, and you don't really have any you know, desirable outcome except just to have fun. And that was the thing that was totally missing or almost completely missing from their lives that I didn't even realize was gone because our society just kind of has, has pushed that aside. 
somehow that's just not valuable anymore compared to all the organized sports and you know all the the things that we know so i so that's what i did i did this uh this summer i i jumped in and then of course i had to write a book about it because i'm a writer so <laughs> anything i do i write about so so that that's the that's the story um i i love that and i know people are probably listening going but isn't sport play like and isn't doing activities play and i get this a lot pam and uh no no it's not because it's organized the rules are there the kids aren't making the rules it's run by adults they're telling you what to do so when you get that question how do you define play what what, what is play to you and from the work you've done so i would say play uh, would be um, autonomous for the child. They, they get, like you say, they get to make up the rules. You know, do you remember when you were kids and maybe you even do this now, like let's say you were going to make up a game in the backyard and you were just going to make it up. Like it was going to be kick the can, except it was going to be different. It was going to be, you would spend the whole time making up the rules. Okay, the tree will be base. No, 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 that tree can't be base. We're going to make this pole, but you know, and then you argue and who's going to go first. And <laughs> that would be half- that would be half the afternoon, right? Yeah. But that is that is where all that development comes in, where they get to decide, they get to create the, their own world and make the rules, and and they get to sometimes lose. You know, I wanted the tree to be base, but nobody else did. I didn't get my way, so I can you know be baby about it, or I can just play the game anyway. So all these things, you know, like you say, the adults when the adults aren't in charge, they have to figure it out. That's a big part of play. And then I, I also think just using, having to use their imagination. You know, that's the thing about sport, which nothing wrong with sports, they're great, but the rules are already set. They're, you know, you don't imagine too many things, but if you're just gonna do a general sort of good guys versus bad guys, or I, I don't know, any other type of thing, then you're gonna, you're gonna use your imagination to develop yeah, uh, the game. So that, that's how so I, think I would define it, mm. yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, Pam, but I, I couldn't That's agree great. more because um, when you think about it, you know, free play or like you were just talking about, that essentially helps if you want to be good at sport. That helps at schools because it teaches you how to, it teaches you how to connect, build resilience, teach you how to win and lose, it teaches you how to be creative. These are all skills that are essential that when you leave school, we need to have, and you need to be able to decide things and make decisions yourself, not just always be told that essentially is organized sport does not give you that because the rules are set like you said yes i totally agree and the whole idea of arguing and compromising uh is i feel like it's learned in those situations where you're just constantly bargaining i want like yeah i'm sure i don't know one of the games we always played when i was a little girl was house who's going to be the dad who's going to be the dog <laughs> You know, and people have the ones they want to be. Everybody wants to be the baby, everybody. And then, but you have to fight. You have to take turns. You have to work it out. And that, that is adult life, honestly, right? In every job, in every situation, that's what it's about. Yeah. And, uh, and when we do play, like you were saying, it, it shows a different side of people. The, the real side of people comes out. That mask comes off because they don't actually realize they're doing it. And um, one of my big things, Sam, I, told you, I call it play-based mindfulness because when you are fully in the moment, in flow, whatever you want to call it, you're not thinking about anything else. And that's what play, like you just said, that's, that doesn't matter if you've been the baby, the kid, the mum, the dog, the cat, you're in the moment, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny, you know, the, um, uh, before, when I was acting, one of the things I did was improv. 
and you talk about being in flow, that, that's exactly what it's like. You know, you, there's a few basic rules when you're on stage, but the rest of it is really just listening and then reacting. The classic play. And then you don't really know where you're going. It, it just, it, the scene builds itself by listening and reacting. And that's just like a game. Any good game is just like that. Or the, you know, the kids who play like, um, my kids were very into dress up, a lot of Spider-Man and, you know, capes and swords and kinds of things. And again, there, you don't really know what's going to happen. You just kind of, you just kind of get in the flow and see where it goes. Yeah. And, and from everything you're just saying there, I'm guessing when you work with schools, when you work with parents, that it's probably not the kids that are scared by this. It's the parents um, because there's no rules. There's no control. What's been your sort of throwback or from responses that you've got? Cause I can imagine they're few and far. They're pretty, they're pretty out there. Well, I, I think there's definitely a lot of discomfort when mm. you watch your kid make choices or do things like for instance, nobody ever wants to admit that their kid was the one who hit first or got mad first or cheated. <laughs> and I, I, so parents, I'm just going to let you know, it's every kid. Every kid has done it once in a while. You know, it's, it's a normal part of, of uh, growing up. So there's that or, or the, the choices that the kids make. You know, maybe I, you know, one is going to be the bad guy and start a sword fight, or, or they're going to do something that looks so dangerous, like want to climb extra high on a fence, or want to do, and, you know, we, our society now has um, forced us to think that, like, we can control everything, you know, like, like, nothing bad ever has to happen, you know, we can use Purell, and we can wash our hands, and, and we can uh, protect our kids, you know, don't let them cross the street by themselves, and don't let them, and so, so I think we've, in a big way, sort of, like, dumbed down the amount of risk we think is normal. I mean, I can remember, uh, and I know the world was safer in the old days in terms of traffic and things like that, definitely. I mean, but I mean, I, I can remember just like, we just left the house for four hours at a time and ran around the neighborhood climbing trees and, and, and in bare feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we stepped on bees and got stung and all these things that today I think parents would be very nervous about upset about um one of the things that really makes me laugh i'm sure you see this all the time is the like the amount of like water bottles and snacks that are everywhere as if like one hour of sport or <laughs> you're going to be completely dehydrated and hypoglycemic oh. like for god's sake don't go anywhere without that water bottle oh I, sorry that's ridiculous. that's one of the funniest things i've ever heard and, oh i'm just thinking <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a one and a half year old boy and it's like we go somewhere and I'm like, my, is this guy a professional athlete? Like the amount of food and snacks and oh, I've just lost it. Like that is, oh, it's probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And I can guarantee people are in like embarrassed like I am right now because we're all the same. It, well, I did it too. But this is the thing. You do it because everybody's doing it, you know, and, and you get caught up in, you know, you want to be the best parent you can be. And you're, you're constantly thinking about that. What would be the best? How, how can we do it? What should we do? And then, of course, you're looking around and seeing what everybody else is doing. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're, you know, you've got the snacks and the water. Or in my case, you've signed your kids up for way too many activities and they're crying because they don't get to play in the backyard. So 
Oh, that that seriously, that's if there's one thing people can take away, it's that just <laughs> things will be right. They're, they're not going to die. They're not going to starve. Like, no, do you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I, I think that. Um, I, I, first of all, this is, I have no basis in fact for this, but I, I wonder sometimes if the amount of anxiety that kids and teens feel today is somehow related to the fact that we're always hovering over them saying, be careful, don't do, uh, uh, watch it, watch it. Uh, uh. And you know what? I did it too. I was a total, you know, I don't, I don't want my kids to chase a ball into traffic or do all these things. It's terrifying, but now, how do you learn to do things if you don't try a little, you know? So uh, I, I just feel like, like, for instance, I don't know what the playgrounds are like where you are, but when I was growing up, the playgrounds were like there was that metal merry-go-round thing that had no <laughs> sides and you would just you race and jump like you that would be against the law today there's nothing like that in in the united states and the um they they recently we have rock climbing walls but they're they they do not go that high and they're all surrounded by that rubber mulch and i mean these are not bad things it's just that we have taken so much chance out of all their physical development and and uh, you know I don't know it's okay sometimes to skin your knee or, or need need a little stitch somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's know. part of it, it is normal and I think one of the big things uh, I'm seeing is that people don't particularly kids um, they don't want to try new things in case they fail um, and and one of the big things with that Pam I see you nodding along is that. Um, I would say the parents are exactly the same. They are scared of failing and what people will think of them and, and judge them. So it's sort of a flow-on effect that no one wants to do anything new or try anything because they don't want to be the best at it or they, they don't want to succeed. They, they want to succeed. Like, that, what have you seen? A, like that? That's a totally insightful thing to say. And, and I feel like the parents, and I'll include myself in this uh, at times, is that, you know, if, if my kid fails then everyone will look at me and it will be my failure because I didn't prepare them or they didn't inherit the right talents from me or I didn't, something that I did wrong, like as if our kids are just our creations that, and, and we are supposed to mold and shape them and, and, and their reflection, you know, the way you would build a table or something, but they're their own people and they deserve to try and fail on their own. And when we don't let them, you know, it's a loss for them. Yeah. Well, well, they're not all from Ikea, are they? They don't all have the same, the same instructions that we put them together, but for some reason we try and mold them on the perfect parenting or the perfect kid. It's not that though. Yes. No, no, no. And I can remember my, my, neither of my kids were very sportsy. They're more artsy, but when they were little, they played sports. And uh, my one son was playing basketball third grade. And um, you know, he, he liked it because it was so, Social, but he wasn't that into it. Anyway, nobody was really passing him the ball because <laughs> he wasn't that good anyway. And so he just started imagining he was like in some sort of ninja fight because he's standing around on a, a court and he's in his shorts and he's bored. So he started doing and everyone looked at me like, yeah. why is your kid doing that funny thing? So did I do something? Did my husband, you know, it's just a funny thing that, uh, and then I thought, oh God, I'm embarrassed. He thinks he's a ninja and it's a basketball game. Who cares? He's in third grade. 
you know. <laughs> but that, but that idea of uh oh, if if my child does anything, it's my failure. Yeah. Or my uh, I, I I messed up in some way. So how do we so? How do we change that? What, what do we? I know that's a. This is a huge question, and, and it could go. Yeah. Anywhere, but sorry, I talk about dropping it, the big one. It's up to you uh, and me, Dale. We got to do it all. Uh, how, how do we change that? How do we make it okay for parents to just like not think their kids going to be? They have to be the best at everything. Like it's okay to not not be excelling, be the best sports star, write the best novels, be the best reader. That's okay. I know. I you know what? I don't know how to change it. Maybe the only way is to, because it's kind of been like this for a while, right? We've lived in this world. Like th this book that, that, that I wrote with my, that summer took place in 2008. And then I, you know, by the time I wrote the book and found a publisher, it was 2015. And, and now the book's been out there for a few years. And so this issue of parents hovering and bubble wrapping their kids has been around for well over 10 years. So, and we've seen that it really hasn't made a better, ge better generation of kids or people. They're not any like smarter, stronger, more talented than the, the one before. So maybe we could, you know, look at the history of it a little and say, well, it, it, it doesn't really make them better and it might make them weaker, it might make them more afraid, more afraid to fail, more afraid to take chances or you know maybe less in tune with what their own skills are like one thing i think about play is that your your own creativity comes out and you start to learn a little bit about like where what your interests and skills are too so i don't know if we could just somehow um convince parents that letting go is actually good for their kids it's actually essential you know i, I remember one time my um when i was really little my sister and I were swinging on the swings and we were, you know, way, way, way too high, et cetera. And my grandparents, my grandmothers were having to freak out. But my mom was used to it because she saw us play every day. And so finally my grandmothers that were sitting in the backyard, she said, we just turned our chair around so we couldn't see you. <laughs> so we, you know, me and my sister did all our swinging <laughs> and they just didn't look at it. That was <laughs> the way they got through it. And I wonder if that's kind of what we as parents need to do. Like, Try not to think too much about it. You know, let them have some parameters that, that are right for you and then just let go mm. and, and trust. You know, Ooh, that's um, hard. Well, uh, right? It's so hard. It's the worst. And Dale, I hate to tell you, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't, David. I think what you're saying there, it's not the kid, it's not the kid's fault. Adults, adults, and I say this all the time in the work I do that. Adults have forgot to have fun. They've forgot to play. They've forgot the joy. And then they, they don't know how to then pass it on to their kids. That is a great point. I think that uh, as a culture, uh, you know, we adults were so um, hyped up about work and success. And, and, you know, it is hard, you know, working and everything. That, that's hard. Um. But yeah, we forget we forget to schedule in the play and have fun. It, it doesn't seem to matter, right? It's not important. Work is important and making your house look nice is important and then doing whatever you're doing with your kids. But like, I don't know, going bowling or goofing around with friends or whatever 
it's it's like fourth or fifth on the list. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and with that as well, we get so busy, like you were saying before. And, and the first thing to go is that, you know, a play break. I tell, I tell people to schedule play breaks in their diary. It only has to be five or 10 minutes. That seems to be the first thing that goes because we are busy. We've got to be going. We've got to be achieving. Whereas if we actually took that five, 10 minute break, we'd be more productive, we'd be happier, and it would be beneficial for anything we're doing. Well, that's true. And they also say, true for adults and true for children, they say that the most productive time is after recess. That's the time the kids learn the best is after. And I'm, I bet your teachers would agree. You know, once they run around and get it out. You know, when I was growing up, we had two recesses a day. Can you imagine? That's in school. Is, is that <laughs> like two recesses and a lunch? Like, do you, you had you had the three? Yeah. Well, I guess one recess, but we had like a morning recess and an afternoon recess. And, uh, you know, and now the recess is so short. I don't know what it's like where you are, but it's 22 minutes out of the whole. Yeah. And, and by the time they eat um, and they get outside and then they've got to line back up because the bell goes a little bit earlier, yeah. you know, and some of them, some yep. of them are, are, are a little bit slow. They may not even really get out of the classroom and then they're back in there again. Yes. They're sitting down there learning. You can see how they will just engage with each other and they, they don't worry too much about, is this the right way to play or not? They just, they just use their imaginations and goof around and it's so you can just see the freedom spilling out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there is no right or wrong way to do it. And that's the best thing about it. And that's, I think the, the big metaphor I like using, there's no right or way in life. Like there's no clear path and that's what play allows us to do if we do it. So what are your top tips? I mean, give me two top tips for parents listening that are holding on for dear life, feeling anxious about everything we've spoken about, Pam, because it makes yeah. them feel uncomfortable. That's bloody good. We need you to feel <laughs> uncomfortable because it's beneficial. If it's something you're not doing, you need to do it. So if you give parents two wisdom bombs or two truths or two things to try, Pam, what would that be? Okay, so the first thing I would say is to schedule in some blank periods in your day and week. And, and do not feel obligated to entertain your child. Let them figure it out. Whether, and they're going to tell you they're bored. They're, you know, and, then, and then when they say that, you know you've done your job. Because now they'll go, they'll go find something to do. I mean, obviously, for this to work, there has to be no screens involved. Mm. You know, but, but they yes. can go in their room. They can go outside. They can go with a friend and, and figure out something on their own. And that's when play happens. They will do it. Uh, so, so that would be the first tip that I would say. And the second thing I would say is to, you know, try to stop, um, try not to uh, assess what activity, what play your child uh, does. In other words, my kids loved Legos and they would build these great Lego statues. And so it's very easy to say, oh, oh, he's so smart. He built this huge Lego. And oh, that's like approved parental activity. But, you know, they would also do things like just hide behind the door and jump out and scare somebody or <laughs> you know or, or make their stuffed animals talk or, or things that didn't necessarily look like success and i would say that all the play has an equal value pretending to be spider-man is no worse or no better than building a giant lego statue yeah, so if it's so true you know if parents can right it, it just is all it's all good 
And like you just said, they're definitely like screen times have their time. Like it, it not, we're not saying don't use screen times, but with screen times, it really allows boredom never to kick in. And without boredom, that creativity never occurs, does it? That's exactly right. And I think, and adults too, I think we're terrified of boredom these days. So true. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really funny. I mentioned this all the time. So I'll, do a workshop and there'll be different teachers or parents or workers uh, Pam, in the room. And the first thing they do when they feel uncomfortable, they grab their device. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and so we, uh, we are creatures of habit, but then we tell our kids, Oh, no screen time. You need to rah, rah, but we can't go without it ourselves. So true. I, I sometimes when I'm in that situation and I see everybody on their phone, I wonder what did this look like 20 years ago? Not yes. ever, like, what did we used to do when we felt in, uncomfortable? We used to talk to each other. <laughs> what we is probably that? did. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. I'm trying to remember. Hmm. Talking to each other. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I love that. So um, let's talk about your book. Why can't we just play? Okay. Um, uh, if people haven't got enough uh, information out of you already, Pam, that this is something they need, not only parents, because like we mentioned before, that uh, anybody needs to schedule play. They need to they need to get the benefits of it. And I know that's essentially what you're going to talk about in your book. So can you just explain it a little bit for everyone so they can go and grab it? Yes. So it's called Why Can't We Just Play? It's available wherever books are sold. Of course, Amazon, uh, but also in bookstores. Or if you have a favorite bookstore that you uh, that you are like to patronize, they can order it for you. Or um, I, I definitely know that it's on sale in New Zealand and Australia and all those places. So, um, and it's actually the memoir uh, talks about the play that I did with my kids, but. Uh, another aspect of the book really is how quickly time passes. And so how important it is to schedule the play and to slow down crazy pace of childhood. So for, for them, because childhood just goes so fast anyway, kids grow up so fast, um, but also so that you can enjoy it. Because once your kids grow up, they're grown up, that's it. The, that chapter is over. And one of the reasons I wanted to slow down and just play with them and have them play was to, to, to like preserve that childhood as a childhood so that it would kind of stay its own amazing chapter in their life and in my life. Uh, and, and play would be a huge part of that. So th those are like the two that, you know, that's kind of a big aspect of the book also is this idea that, you know, we want to be really intentional with our time and, and making play a part of it is, is so important. Yeah. And, and I think one of those, one of the things people will be listening is one thing you cannot get more of is time. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't buy more time, but you can use it uh, more beneficial. And life is so busy, you know, like just think about the last couple of years, it felt like the pandemic was never going to end. And now you're like, wow, what happened in the last two years? It's so true. I do constantly feel like I lost two years. Yeah. It's, yep. it's a very odd feeling. Yeah. yeah. And I know yeah. we were talking a little bit about this before about, um, you know, poor kids that have, have missed it. Like we've all, we've all suffered in some form from, you know, the global pandemic camp, but um, particularly, you know, students in primary school, high school, um, over the equal elementary or senior or whatever, like the, the years of social interaction and development that they have missed out is 
I, I don't know the impacts it's going to have. I'm seeing the impacts it's already having, and I think it's only going to get worse, which is unfortunate. But that's why at home, it's not. this isn't on the teachers. This is not the teachers thing. At home, your responsibility is to incorporate play, to build those connections, to allow boredom to occur, isn't it? Yes, I, I agree 100%. We're ex- we expect way too much from our teachers. They should be teaching. And, and, but family is the place where all these things need to happen. And you, if you let your kids play and you can get your kids out and playing, I really think that'll be a huge part of the recovery therapy from this pandemic is just get people, you know, if they can just, if the kids can just maybe get over their initial reticence and start playing, maybe the old sense of fun and joy will start flowing again. And, and they'll, you you know, they'll kind of get their play mojo back. But I agree it's on parents, definitely. Yeah. It, it really is. And yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know, and that's like, we've been talking about this and two peas in a pod. Like I said, um, we're going back and forth because we're so passionate about it, not only because we've written books about always present on it, but because we actually know it works and you see what happens when you allow it to occur. So if you are listening, that's what you need to do now. Pam, I know people listening, they've read your book. They want to hear from you. Where's the best place to connect with you? Because you're so generous with your time. Where do people go? Thank you. I I love talking about this stuff as I can tell you do too. Okay. So uh, I'm on Instagram at Pam Lobley, P-A-M-L-O-B-L-E-Y. So you can just follow me or message me. Um, you can also, uh, friend me on Facebook, Pam Lobley, but I'm mostly, I'm more on Instagram. Uh, and I would love to hear from you. I, I will do a zoom book club with readers if they want to. Um, and I sometimes do presentations. So anyway, I think it's a great idea. I think too, that, uh, we need to stick together Mm. us, us, uh, folks who, who believe in this, who believe in the power of play, who believe in free time for kids and autonomy, uh, it's I it's hard sometimes you need to find your people because you're surrounded with a lot of other moms or dads that have their kids booked up solid with all these activities or uh, and so it's it's hard sometimes to to find the emotional support to say you know what no we're gonna we're gonna have a weekend with nothing we're, we're just gonna goof around and we're not gonna feel bad about it <laughs> it's, it's so true I, I think that yeah. is um, just because something's organized doesn't mean nothing's occurring. Like you don't actually, yeah. I think that's, it's really hard to think about that in our busy planned life, but it, you need to just allow it. I, I think it, it, and it really does come back to boredom. And if people are listening right now, Pam, when was the last time they were physically bored without grabbing their phone? Like, and, and I think they can answer the question. They haven't been. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, side note, phones are boring too. Like it's yeah. just a desperate, when was the last time you're like, ah, just let me go on this. And you start scrolling and after a minute, you're like, seriously, this is what, <laughs> this is so boring. What am I doing? Yes. So it, it's true. I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Everybody's the of it, but you know, our kids are watching us. So they see us take out our phones all the time. And, uh, we're, you know, our kids are watching what we're doing. So the more we take out our devices, the more they're going to also. They're gonna, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you see it all the time. A, a three-year-old in the grocery store with, a, with an iPad while his mom is shopping. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, we, and I, I couldn't agree more. So um, 
everybody listening, go and get Pam's book, Why Can't We Just Play? Um, a brilliant, brilliant read that you all need to do. And also check her out and reach out and thank her for today's honest feedback on Instagram um, in show episode number 257 on our show notes. Go and check those out. Pam, thank you so much for the chat today. It's uh, It's been really refreshing to talk to somebody who's so passionate about play as well. It was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved it.